This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you'd like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Hey, you know, one of the things I think about what, that, that happens so often when we sing that last song, for example, it's called Gratitude. And even with, with Jordan's, uh, Jordan is probably one of the most intelligent people you'll ever meet. And so my default uh, approach to anything that Jordan says, if he says it, it's true. Now, that's just kind of the way that I approach it, right? Uh, but, you know, so you kind of start talking about gratitude. And you know what, what I think happens sometimes is like, we get, we get into this, this, this weird funk where we're like, well, what do I have to really be thankful for? And we start elevating all of the problems in our life, and we start putting the emphasis on all of the things that are going wrong or not going like we want them to. And, man, I think if you, just, if you shift that perspective a little bit, it changes everything, right? What do you have to be thankful for? Everything. You have everything to be thankful for. Man, you've got breath in your lungs. You've got health in your body. You are here. You had the ability to make it to this place this morning. You had the freedom to come to a church without threat of outside violence, which is not necessarily the case in other parts of the world. Right? Don't, don't even get me started. Right? You had a, a Savior who was willing to die on a cross for your sins, for the things that you did wrong, and he took the punishment. We've got so much to be thankful for. And I, I just love the, the reality, not just the idea, but the reality that gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist, right? Once we start practicing gratitude, that anxiety, it's got to it's gotta go somewhere, right? And it just, here ain't it. This ain't where it goes. Go somewhere else. Anyway, all of that to say, good morning. So glad you guys are here. I love baptism. Speaking of things to be appreciative of, things to be thankful for, do you guys know, again, one of these things that I hope that we don't take for granted, don't take lightly, some churches go years without baptizing anybody, Right? And, and it's sad. It's incredibly sad. And so the fact that we just had the opportunity to be a part of several people's lives and journey and, and their baptism, that's something to be grateful for, right? Okay, good. Some of you are. Some of you are getting there. Listen, I, you guys get a pass in the summer because I'm not very enthusiastic in the heat either, okay? Uh, maybe when it cools off and there's, a, there's just like that nip in the air and I'm like, ooh, let's go. Let's go. So we're continuing a series. We're actually wrapping up our series this week called Fruiter. And so it's not, it's not, I mean, we're not that bad at grammar. We're not great, but we're not that bad either. Uh, so Fruiter is a, it's a combination of fruit and future, right? So our goal, kind of what we're hoping to learn in this series is how to, to ensure that our future is full of fruit. And the fruit that we're, we're talking about specifically, obviously, is the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. We'll read it together and then we'll, we'll kind of, you know, talk about where we've been and then we'll talk about where we're going. Everybody good with that? All right, good. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. By a show of hands, how many of you could use a little bit more of all of those? Man, it's like I was thinking about this earlier. As I go through that list, I'm like, help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me, help me, help me, help me, please, right? I could use, I could use a little bit more of all that. Like, there, there are some that I, I think I do better than others, and then there are others that I'm just on the struggle bus with, that I need, I need help. Like, let's be honest, uh, patience, for example. How many of you are crushing it in the patience department? Right? 
yeah, if you, then you're not a parent. If you're, you're crushing it in the patient's department, you, you ain't raising them kids, right? So, so we need more of these things. We desire more of these things, and so that's what we've been looking at. It says, against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to, who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. So we've been talking about how to ensure that our future is fruitful. And so we kind of talked about the first week about the difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit, what's so, so powerful about that is that it's not yours. It's, it's you allowing God to produce in you his characteristics and, and the things in you that he desires. And so it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of you, right? So it's just us relinquishing control and allowing, allowing him to do that. Or You've got just a few, few, few verses. I was also a rapper earlier in my career. Right. Oh, just wait. There's more coming. Like, I, I got one lined out for you. Wait till the last point. All right. So, so a few verses earlier, you've got the, the works of the flesh. And so if you kind of you compared these two, you had a list of either one of these, and you read out both of them, you did a pros and cons list. It's very obvious which of these two that we would desire to have more of in our lives. And so it, in spite of that, so often we choose the wrong thing. And that's really kind of the power of it. It's the future that we choose. It is our decision either A, we continue on in the works of the flesh, and then consequently we deal with the repercussions of the works of the flesh, or we relinquish control and we allow God to work in us, producing in us the fruit of the Spirit. And then the second week we talked about pruning. That was terribly painful, like the idea of reducing so that you can increase, right? The, the idea of cutting back so that more can, can come in. And then last week we talked about how fruit is loud. This week we're going to talk about another. This is, again, like kind of the pruning, how it seems counterintuitive. This one's it, it's a bit counterintuitive too. And we're going to talk about uh, being cursed. Who would like to be cursed um, in church? I'm not going to curse at you, but we're talking about like specifically cursing. And so we'll get into it. And it'll make more sense when you read or you hear the passage that we're going to look at. So our first point for the day is this. Poor Newton, Massachusetts, 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 Massachusetts Newton, Mass. Poor Newton, Mass. Um, did you guys know, I didn't know this, I thought Fig Newtons probably were named after a person. Seems, seems reasonable, right? Uh, so that was my assumption, was that Fig Newtons were named after a person. Apparently that is not the case. They were named after a town, Newton, Mass, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Mass. If you, all right, close your eyes, close your eyes, everybody close your eyes. Spell it in your head without cheating, without using, yeah, good luck, right? It's tough. Thank goodness for spell check and Google. Otherwise, there would have been some, all, some, some issues on the screen today. I had to use it. So, so I thought that, that it was interesting, kind of, again, talking about trees. We talked about figs a few weeks ago. Jesus used the, the reference of of fig trees when he was talking about, you know, watch out for false teachers and you're going to know them by their fruit. And he used figs as an example. Uh, and so I was just thinking about fig trees. And so we're going to talk about fig trees today. Everybody good with that? Does anybody actually like fig newtons or do you just eat them because they're there? I eat them because who goes to the store? Who, who currently has fig newtons in your pantry? Two people. All right. I thought so. I just, I had a feeling that that's what we were dealing with. All right. With fig trees and fig newtons in mind, let's read this passage. Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, it says this. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. I love that that detail is in there. Jesus was hungry. Now, it also could be that Jesus was hangry based on what happened next. 
So they were leaving Bethany. Kind of to give you the, the context real quick. Jesus with the disciples. They're leaving this place called Bethany. And they're heading to Jerusalem, into the city, into Jerusalem. And so this is where they're at. Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, a fig tree producing leaves, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, okay, this is where it gets confusing. I'll be honest with you guys. I've read this story a hundred times, probably more than that. And it wasn't until recently that I was like, okay, why did Jesus curse the fig tree for real? Like, what's up with that? And, and we got into the details. So, so the fig tree, it had leaves, but it did not have figs because it wasn't the season for figs. And Jesus still cursed the fig tree. This is what he said. Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So we've kind of got a pause in the action. It's halftime. There's a break, right? So, so you get Jesus cursing this fig tree. They continue on into Jerusalem. And this is the, the part in the book of Mark where Jesus goes into the temple. He starts calling people names and flipping tables. One of my favorite stories. Um, right? I, you, apparently you guys don't see Jesus the way I see Y'all see Jesus like lovey-dovey. I, like, I like the flipping tables, Jesus, a little bit. Purse, I like both of them, but that, that's more my preference, right? Uh, so he goes to Jerusalem, goes to the temple, sets them straight. He's like, hey, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you guys have turned it into a den of thieves. And then again, like I said, wreck shop. Okay, so they're in Jerusalem at the temple. That happens the next day. We pick the story back up. Mark chapter 11, verses 19 through 21. It says this, when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter, Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you have cursed, or the fig tree you cursed has withered. Okay, a lot going on here, right? So I've, I've read this story, like I said, a bunch of times, and I've always been, I'll be honest with you, I read it, and I'm kind of like, man, Jesus, that was pretty savage. Um, that poor, poor defenseless fig tree, it wasn't even its season to produce figs, and here you are being a mean bully picking on that, that fig tree. All right, so our next point before we get into that, it's called take the fig leaves off. Take the fig leaves off. If you've read Genesis, that's a risque statement. Um, we'll make sense of it. Kind of the idea here is we're going to unpack this story. So, so I, again, I've, I've, avoided, I've avoided learning what this meant for a long time, and I don't know why, but the question is, like, what, what does that even mean? Was Jesus being a jerk to the fig tree? I mean, it seems, if you just kind of read it, surface level that could be the case I don't, it seems out of character it's not something that you find jesus doing in other places jesus isn't like bullying inanimate objects right he's not bullying things he's not bullying anybody right that's not really who he is could it be that jesus was as as uh the, the youths say was jesus flexing was he just kind of showing off right he's like hey y'all watch this y'all see that tree watch this as, as people would say in east texas hold my beverage and watch this don't do that, right? So was, it, was he flexing? I mean, Jesus walks on water. That's a weak flex compared to walking on water. Here, even more interesting, kind of considering the context of the story, the place that they left was called Bethany. Bethany, it's translated to place of Lazarus. Lazarus is the person that Jesus had raised from the dead. That's a cool miracle. Killing a tree, not so much, right? Not as impressive. So I, I don't think that that was the point. I don't think the point was just to flex and to show off. I think what you find 
of this, what we call, it's called an inverted miracle. Because normally Jesus is bringing life, but in this particular instance, he is bringing death and destruction to this tree. And so what I think you find in this is that Jesus is looking for an illustration, a way to convey this truth in a teachable moment, right? So you've got this tree, this fig tree, this poor defenseless fig tree that has leaves, but it doesn't have any fruit, and Jesus curses it, even though it says that it's not the season for figs. Now, here's what, what, what we find about fig trees. And, and again, this is not really my, my expertise, but based on my extensive Googling and researching, because y'all know we know everything now, thanks to Google. Uh, so this is what I've, I've figured out, what I've learned about fig trees. If the fig tree has leaves, then it's supposed to have fruit. So it's not that it was not the season for the, the, the figs. It was actually not the season for the leaves either. So if it has one, it's supposed to have the other. If it has leaves, it's supposed to have figs. If it has figs, it's supposed to have leaves. And so I think what you find in this is Jesus is kind of conveying this truth that you, you can't have one and not have the other. You're not supposed to be just about the leaves and not also have figs. And so the, the, the takeaway, this is what one commentator said, by a show of leaves, by the tree having leaves, it was like many people pretending to have fruit which was not there. It was like the Pharisees who professed to be very religious, but who, whose lives were fruitless. Therefore, Jesus cursed the fig tree as an object lesson to all not to be hypocritical. Jesus went to great lengths to make sure that we understand, don't be so concerned with, don't put so much emphasis on the way you look, put more emphasis and more focus on what you're actually producing what it is that your life is actually about. It's about you know, genuinely, actually being fruitful, not just having the appearance of fruitfulness, not having all these leaves like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you're all show and no go. Y'all met some people like that? Y'all met some church folk? Listen, I've met some church folk like that. These, these people that, that they put on the fronts and they got the airs and they act a certain type of way, and in reality, there is no fruit. It's what, I better not. I gotta stop. And look, I can make fun of church people because I'm church people. It's like, you know, you can make fun of your family. Can't nobody else make fun of your family, but you can make fun of your family. So, so church people, man, we have, and I think we, it's so dumb the way that we do this, but it's almost as if we, we incentivize that by the way that we, you know, talk to people. It's like, oh, you look like you've got it all together. And we celebrate that, but we don't, in fact, celebrate real fruit. We celebrate the appearance of fruit, which is Stupid and very disappointing, right? So this is where it gets, are y'all with me? You understand kind of the idea here. Again, Jesus is communicating, hey, don't just be about the appearance. Be about the actuality. Don't, don't put the emphasis on what you're showing people and what you want people to see. Put the emphasis on who you actually are, your character, and what it is that your life is producing as a result of the work that you are doing. Okay, we're good? All right, so here's where it gets even more interesting, fascinating, considering the fact that we're talking about fig trees. As interesting as fascinating and fascinating as fig trees can be, right? Because, I mean, it's probably some limitations to how exciting you can have, of a, uh, how exciting of a conversation you can have when you're talking about fig trees. Like, I just, I feel the enthusiasm just welling up in the room. You guys are just revving up, learning, learning about fig trees and all of the nuances of fig trees said no one ever. All right, so, so when you consider fig trees, let's go way, way back. Y'all want to go on a journey with me? Back, 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 back to the future. Um, we're going to go all the way back to the, the book of Genesis, the creation story, kind of just to give you the cliff notes, the super, 
This is the hyper Cliff Notes version. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Awesome. So you get some of the creation story. Genesis chapter 2, God created man, and he was like, I did pretty good. I think I can do better. And then he created woman. All the women, y'all missed your chance. Like that was, that was a softball toss, and y'all just struck out. Y'all watched, y'all watched strike three blow by. You want to do it again? Okay, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then in Genesis chapter 2, God made man, and he was like, I did good, I think I can do better, so he created woman. Good morning. And, and all the dudes are like, uh-uh, whatever. And so the jury's still out, right? Like, it's, it's to be determined. So at any rate, God creates man, God creates woman, and then he puts them, man and woman, Adam and Eve, puts them in the Garden of Eden. This is, this is a paradise. And they've got... I mean, literally, they've kind of got one job. Y'all know the expression we use? You've got one job, and you just, you can't even seem to do that right. Like people who work at fast food restaurants so often, right? You, I mean, you got, like one, you got one job. One, uh, yeah, just, just large french fries. That's, that's not, well, anyway, right? So Adam and Eve, not, not much has changed, right? So Adam and Eve had one job, and that job was to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they did and so their sin brought shame upon them and that shame they decided needed to be covered up this is how they covered up the shame that they had brought on themselves genesis chapter 3 verse 7 it says this then the eyes of both of them both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so that's part of part of paradise is you get to run around with no clothes on like that's, that's paradise, right? That's good. And they were not ashamed because, again, that's, God had made him like this. I mean, I think with this heat, we'd probably all be okay with that. Like if there was a way that we could do it appropriately, but I don't think that happens. So about the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, do you see what's going on here? Jesus in the New Testament curses the thing that they try to use to cover up the curse that they brought on themselves. So the fig tree that Jesus cursed is the thing that they were trying to use to cover up their sin and their shame. And here's what I think we can find in that. Like if there's a truth in that, there's a message in that, it's that Jesus is, is taking away the thing that you're trying to use to cover it up by saying, and, and in that he is saying, hey, I know you. I, I see you. You're not hiding from me. I know who you are. You, you can have these leaves and you can have everyone else fooled, but I know who you are, and I know the fruit that you are or are not producing, so can we just stop playing games? Can we just stop pretending to be something that we're not? Be who I've made you to be. I think that that may be the message in there that Jesus kind of, again, why did he use fig trees? Now, I don't know that this is true. I think it, it, it does add a layer of fascinating to it. I think everything is fascinating, but it could be in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Some, some scholars believe that that tree was a fig tree because the leaves were so close that those are the, the leaves that Jesus used, I'm sorry, that Adam and Eve used to cover themselves up, which is kind of interesting, right? So the tree that Jesus cursed, he didn't curse, he didn't curse an olive tree, he didn't curse an acacia tree, he didn't curse the cedars of Lebanon, he, cu he cursed a fig tree, and I think that there is a reason for that. And so here's what I know. This is what I know. I know that it's very hard to be fruitful. I know that it is hard to live a life that produces love and peace and patience and kindness and those things. But you know what's even harder than that? It's even more difficult to pretend to be fruitful. 
it's, it's a lot harder to pretend like you're something that you're not than it is to actually be the thing that God has called you and created you to be. That not only has he called you to do it, but he's going to help you do it. And he's going to equip you and he's going to emp empower you to do the thing, become the person that he's called you to be. But it is real hard to run around acting like somebody that you're not all the time. It is real hard to show up to church every Sunday and act like you're perfect and you ain't got no problems when in reality, stop lying, we know you do because we all do, right? And I'm just, I'm so thankful for this church because we, like, I went to church like off and on as a kid. I didn't really go to church. Uh, Shelly, she was born in church. I'm convinced of it. Like, just that's our different paths, right? Uh, so, but one of the things that I always just, I, I just never understood about church that was really, it turned me off the church is like the people would go to church and act like they're perfect and they ain't got no problems and I know them and I know they got problems and they're just fronting, right? They're trees with leaves, but no fruit. And I was like, that don't make no sense. And Jesus, he didn't really think it made any sense either. And so he killed the fig tree to prove to everybody it don't make no sense. So stop doing it. Everybody good with that? Makes sense? All right. I thought, I thought you would be more excited about it than I would. But, I mean, then, then you were, but you weren't. So here we are. Last point. Back to, to prove the fact, to prove, to, uh, I guess, to, to emphasize the validity of my rap career. I'm going to give you the last point for the day. How many of you were children of the 90s, like children in the 90s? Um, and if you were there in the 90s, that counts too, because you probably remember the, the song with the, the line, miggity, 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 Mac Daddy. Say that. Let's hear it. Oh, that was good, Shelly. Over here. Dang. Y'all been practicing. Like you you kind of got to warm up the, 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 the vocal cords for that thing, right? Like the miggity, 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 mock daddy. Okay. So I told you, I told you, in another life, it's what I would have been, right? So our last point for the day, I'm, I'm going to dress it up a little bit. It was just going to be more figgity facts, but we're going to go figgity, figgity, figgity facts. Figgity, figgity, figgity facts. Because he's the figgity, figgity, figgity fact, baby. Okay, stop. Don't encourage that. I was, I was actually pretty concerned, like, I was going to, like, misspeak and say something inappropriate because there's a lot of F words in there. More figgity facts. We're going to talk about some facts that we can learn, some things that we can learn from the fig tree. Okay, just three things really quickly. One of them I'm going to blow through it. The first one, there was, there was one commentator that actually thought that Jesus cursed the fig tree so that the fig tree couldn't trick anybody else from that point forward. He was like, all right, listen, here's the deal. I see this fig tree. I see that this fig tree is being deceptive, and it, it is acting like it's something that it's not. So I'm going to go ahead and wipe this thing out so it doesn't deceive anybody else from this point on. And, and the moral to the story was Jesus doesn't like people who deceive. And so kind of using that in context, especially when you consider what we talked about, I think it was two weeks ago, where Jesus was like, hey, watch out for false teachers. Watch out for people who are wolves in sheep clothing. They are deceptive, and you're going to know them by their fruit, right? You're going to know them by the, the, the fruit that they produce. If they've got leaves and they don't have fruit, they are deceptive. And you don't, like Jesus cursed them. I don't know if that gives us permission to curse them. Seems like we want to be like Jesus. He did it. Therefore, we should. Okay, maybe not. I don't know. So that, that was one, one thing maybe that we can learn from that, that Jesus was cursing this tree so that it couldn't deceive anybody. And, and the message in there is like, hey, just, just listen to him. Look to him for guidance and truth. And if, if anybody is speaking for him, look to the fruit in their lives. And if their fruit doesn't match their mouth, they need to get gone. Right? So that was one thing that I thought was very interesting. Now, Two, two more things that, that are pretty interesting about fig trees, two, two more of these uh, figgity-figgity facts, is that 
symbolically, kind of in history, fig trees were given in, in terms of, well, they had a couple of different uses in terms of symbolism. One was they were given as a sign of success or victory. For example, uh, you know, you've got the ancient Greeks in the Olympics, they would put the olive branch thing on the victor's head. Well, one of the other things that they would do to people who won various competitions would be they give them a fig tree. I'd prefer a contract, but it's cool. What? I, want, I want cold, hard cash, baby. Not a fig tree. I'll buy a fig tree, just give me the money. But they would give fig trees to, to winners, to people who were being successful. And I think, so considering the fact that a fig tree was symbolic of success, Jesus cursed the thing that was symbolic of success. Maybe, maybe the moral to the story is make sure you're winning at the right things. Make sure you're not just producing leaves, but you're also producing fruit. We live in a society that we celebrate the leaves. We celebrate all of these things that don't actually matter. We elevate and we celebrate people who are famous for being famous and they don't actually contribute anything to society. Do you guys know what leaves do? Nothing, absolutely nothing. They're pretty to look at. That's about the extent of the usefulness of leaves. We notice them, they turn green in the, in the spring. We notice them, they turn brown in the fall, and then they fall off the tree, and we got to rake up our dadgum yards and get rid of these useless leaves. That's what leaves are good for. Fruit, on the other hand, is useful. You can actually use it to, to, to benefit people and contribute. And I think if you can't see the analogy here, right, you can be a leaf, and you can be pretty to look at, but very useless, which is social media, right? Like, that's, that's your Instagram right there. You're pretty to look at, but you are useless. Was that too harsh? How about contribute something to society? Did you know? I don't know if you knew this or not. This is fascinating. This is, this is like new. It's a new study that just came out. Now, there's a new study that just came out that says that you can do something good and not put it on social media. It's crazy. It's right? You can do good things and nobody has to know because God knows and he's the one that we're trying to impress, not all of these. All right, back, coming back, coming back, right? So, so here's, let's, let's take away from that what I think is, what I think is the most obvious takeaway, right? You can be a leaf and you can be pretty and you can be seen and you can be useless or you can be a fruit and you can be productive, and you can contribute, and you can make a difference in the world around you. Jesus cursed the tree that had leaves and no fruit. I think I would rather be a tree that has fruit, right? And the leaves are fine. Like, it's not like he didn't curse the tree because it had leaves. He cursed the tree because it had leaves and no fruit. The leaves aren't the problem. Good things aren't the problem. You can have good things in your life, and you can have, you know, again, maybe, maybe you are given attention, and that's fine because th there's influence that can be found in that. But ultimately, what we are after is fruit. What we are after is impact. What we are after is making a difference in the world, not the world making a difference in us. Mark chapter 8, verse 36, it says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will it profit a man if he has all leaves and no fruit? What will it profit a man if he gets all of this stuff, if he accumulates, if he gets attention and influence and money and anything and everything that we tend to celebrate in our society, and he loses his own soul? That's the warning, right? That's the message in there. You know what I was thinking about the other day? So, so I don't know what version of the Bible you read. There's one version where Jesus calls... 
Jesus's cut downs are the best. Like, I love, I'm, listen, again, product of the 90s, like your mama jokes were a staple in our lives. I love cut downs. I'm trying to cut back on my cut downs because, you know, there's some maturity that's supposed to be involved with all this. So, so Jesus's cut downs are really good. One of the things that he called people, he called them stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked people, right? Like, if you got a stiff, you ever had a stiff neck? It's hard to turn, right, when you got a stiff neck. And Jesus wants people with flexible necks that can turn, be obedient, listen to him, and go where he wants them to go. I don't think we're, we're as stiff-necked any longer as we are stuff-necked people. Like, we have become so focused on stuff, and we put so much emphasis in our life on stuff and the accumulation of stuff and possessions and materials and all of those things. And I think what, what happens, what has happened, what had happened was is that we are so centered and focused on stuff that now we can't really pay attention to Jesus because we got so many things that we got to focus on. So we are stuff-necked people. We are stiff-necked because of our stuff-necks. That's what you, listen, if you're a blogger, use it. It's cool. You don't have to. You don't even. I'll, I'll do something good, and I don't even need attention for it. It's good. Stuff-necked people. That may be a series. We should do that. All right, so that's one thing that we can learn is, again, like, let's, let's win at the right things. You know that you can be successful and losing simultaneously. Like, you can win, you can win at, you know, all of the things that don't actually matter. Like, and there are so many great examples, not great, I mean, it's, it's sad, it's devastating. Examples of people who are high achievers who do, you know, these, these great things in the world and they have so much and their lives are absolutely miserable. That's why you see people, oh, we won't get into that, you understand, like not hard to find examples of people who are successful who also are simultaneously miserable, right? You're winning at the wrong things. Let's win at the right things. All right, the second thing, third thing in total, the second thing in terms of symbolically, the way that the fig tree was used. So fig trees were used also as a sign of wisdom. I thought that was really interesting, right? So like, you know, oh man, I think you're so smart. I'm gonna give you a fig tree. Or maybe you just look at the fig tree and be like, man, that tree, it's really bright, very intelligent. Smart fig tree, smart tree you got there. Like, how do you, I don't know where the symbolism comes from. I didn't make it up. I just regurgitated, okay? Right? So, so fig trees were used symbolically in history as a, a sign of wisdom. And I think this is interesting because it forces us to figure out if we're interested in knowledge or if we're interested in wisdom. And I think, you, again, let's, let's use the tree as an example, right? So the tree has leaves. I think the leaves would be like knowledge. And then it has fruit, and I think the fruit would be like wisdom. And we've got to decide. We have to determine if we want our lives to be emphasizing or focused on just the knowledge or if we want our lives to be focused on wisdom. What's the difference? Wisdom is knowledge applied, right? Wisdom is taking the information that you have, the knowledge that you have, and actually doing something with the knowledge that you have. We, we live in a world that's all about knowledge. You've got all these people who have all of these things to say about what you should do with your life when they themselves are doing nothing with their lives. They are all knowledge and no wisdom. They're all information and no application. Y'all met some people like that? Y'all seen, like the comment section, look, I know I shouldn't, but I just can't help myself sometimes. Like I just, I go to the comment section, I never add comments, I just read comments, and I think, good God, what's wrong with us? And you got all these people with all these opinions of what you should be doing and what other people should be doing when they are doing nothing. We live in a world that's all about the leaves. It's all about the knowledge, but it's not about the wisdom. It's not about the application. And I think, obviously, in, in that for us, the, the goal is 
application. The goal is not just to know something, but to do something with what it is that we know. One of my favorite scriptures is, is James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, don't just be hearers of God's word, but be doers also. And you know what, what I think is, is just a devastating condition of the church in the United States, and it has been for as long as I've been part of the church, which is getting up there, right? Been, been part of the church for 23 years. And, and when I first started coming to church, I thought everybody that went to church was like for real. Because when I didn't come to church till I was trying to be for real about being at church. Is that not how y'all's experience was, right? Like some, I know if, like if you're a kid, you get dragged to church and all that stuff. But like I just, I didn't want to go to church and I didn't go to church until I was ready to go to church. And I was ready for my life to be wrecked and turned upside down. And it was. And so it was always fascinating to me that people, they go week after week and they sit in church and they hear, but they never do anything with the information that they get. It's like people that go to conferences every year on how to get wealthy or how to lose weight, and then you leave the conference and you never do anything with the information that you get. It's like the people who, who go to the gym and walk around at the gym and talk, but they never do anything at the gym. Like, you got to do something with the information that you have, or you're like a tree with leaves and no fruit. And Jesus wasn't very nice to that tree. Okay. I know that was a harsh statement. No, it wasn't. That was a fact, right? Jesus was harsh to that tree. Now, here's what we learned from this. There's a story. I want to close with a parable that Jesus used. Kind of Again, just this story that he told that I think emphasizes, that shows us what, what this is supposed to look like for us. Not just having the knowledge, not just having the information, but doing something with it. And even in this story, it's cool because you find out that, that the expectation is not perfection, but the expectation is obedience, right? We're not expected to be perfect, but we are expected to be obedient. Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 31, it says this. Jesus talking to a crowd of people, most of whom didn't like him, that were trying to catch him slipping. This is what he says. He said, what do you think? And I love how, like, Jesus asked them a question when he's about to tell them what's up. Like, it's very into, He's like, hey, what do you think? And they're like, let me, ah, no, no, no. And he sets them straight. He said, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. Didn't go over so well, right? It's like modern day would be going up to your son and telling him to push mow the front yard. They don't even know what a push mower is, right? So he went up to the first and he said, son, go and work, and work today in the vineyard. And his son responded, I will not, he answered. Now, I know that this is just a story because the kid still has his teeth. I'm just, right? So Jesus is telling us, this wasn't, this wasn't something that actually happened. Because uh, y'all know, just not good. If your son, anyway, I'm not going to get myself in trouble. So go, go and work today in the vineyard. The son responded, I will not. And, but this is what he does. He says, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. So he told him, son, go and work today in the vineyard. And the other son answered, he said, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Was it the one who just said he was going to do it or the one who was resistant initially but then actually followed through with the thing that he was supposed to do? Where it says that, that the son said, I will not, but then it says after that that he changed his mind. One of the, the ways that we use that expression, changed his mind, is to repent. 
it means to change direction, to turn and go the other way, but it's also to have your mind changed about something. And I think what you find in this story, the emphasis is on the, the, the output, the emphasis on what you do, not just what you know, the emphasis on what you actually produce as a result of following Jesus, not just sitting in a church week after week, pretending like you don't have any problems and you got it all together and you've never made a mistake and all of the other things that we could say about that, right? That's the goal. The information is terrific. Nothing wrong with information, but if you have information only and you don't have application, as they say, that's an abomination. And it's just good because it rolls off the tongue, right? Information without application is an abomination. And, and so for us in church, for us church people, for us followers of Jesus, look, information is terrific. Like pursue knowledge, desire knowledge. But if you don't actually do something with that information, you're like that tree with leaves and no fruit. Let's not be the tree with no leaves. I mean, with leaves and no fruit. Let's be a tree that actually produces fruit, the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Do, do you know what kind of difference it would make in the world if you had a group of people who were increasing in those characteristics, a, a group of people who were becoming more loving, Not again, not that we're perfect, but we're becoming more loving. We're becoming more kind and more patient and more faithful and having more self-control. Do you know what kind of influence we could have, what kind of difference we could make in the world around us if that was our future? Let that be our future. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for God, not just talking in abstracts and theories, but God, using your life as a demonstration of what it means for us to, to live on this earth, but to also love you and represent you. God, to point people to you by having your characteristics, not ours, but having love and joy and peace and patience in those things. God, I pray that you would help us to, to just see things from the right perspective. That it's not just about being showy, and it's not just about getting attention. It's not about being a tree that just has leaves. But God, it's about fruitfulness. It's about doing things that matter, that last, that have an impact beyond just how it affects us, but the impact that it has on the world around us. Jesus, help us to be fruitful. In Jesus' incredible name we pray. Amen.